Uncommon is our series that's coming up and we're beginning soon. And what it's all about is, is I, I don't know about you, I, I just sick of just common old Christianity. I know, I know I've been in a couple places with God multiple times where it's like, it's got to be better than this. And I began to rediscover that it really wasn't a problem with God. It was more of, what was I doing? What was I doing in pursuing after God? So in the, in the next two weeks, we're going to be starting up our Uncommon series. It goes for eight weeks. We, we wrote this at Crosstown. We put together the devotional here at Crosstown, the whole series. It's what we, God is saying to us as a congregation. We encourage you, if you want Uncommon marriages, if you want Uncommon parenting or relationships with other people or, or how to resolve conflict in an Uncommon kind of way, we encourage you to be a part of this. We'll have small groups. We'll have devotionals ready for you. Feel free to pick them up in the back on your way out at our Uncommon booth. But we encourage you to be a part of what God is going to be doing in our lives in 2023. So to lead up into that, I have had to, you know, get back to a starting place with God. Because a lot of us have been exposed to God. We're almost at the place where we need to be, we need to unlearn God to learn God rightly. You know, I think that's where we are. It's like there are some faulty ideas that we've got about God that we've got to unlearn. And so when I think about getting back to the starting point, where, where do we start? It came down to this one simple statement David made. He was a God lover. And um, he made this statement for God. God used him to say this. Be still and know that I am God. A real simple invitational statement. And there are two exhortations in it. One is to be still and the other one to know. And we talked last week about the challenge of stillness. It's really hard. Being still, when we talk about it, evokes a potential or an atmosphere of knowing something, like your wife or your husband or a friend, Uh, maybe a new subject. You want to study something different. You've got to sequester yourself into a place where, okay, I need everything else to be quiet, I need to listen. I need to be in a place of silence or quietness for me to comprehend something. And I don't care if it's mathematics, science, art, or God. There has got to be a place. There's got to be a time in our lives when we just kind of come to stillness and discover God. But the problem is is that we have a hard time doing this. It's not easy for us to be still. Matter of fact, modern psychologists say that we are suffering from hurry sickness. We're always going someplace. Uh, we're always doing something. We're, we're spending two and a half to five hours on our phones. We're having all this time with our phones or busy doing our work. And, and then on top of that, if you're somebody like me and raised in my generation, the idea of being still was synonymous with being lazy or it was a sign of weakness, or a sign of being incompetent. Um, or uh, at, maybe in your case, it's like, I can't afford to be still. It's like we have decided that stillness is something that is way too expensive for me to pay for. I need to be at work. I need to be doing this. I need to be involved. But, so we've come to this place that no wonder people don't believe God exists. Because God put it together, be still and know that I am God. Is that 
we don't, it's not because we don't have the data in front of us. It's not that there isn't some sort of empirical evidence or philosophical arguments for the existence of God. It's that we just don't become still enough to observe them and to see it, to know it in our lives. We lose focus of God in the, the movement of life. And, and, and this is so true that what we end up with is being good people. We're not, we're not you know, wicked people. We're just not very deep. Um, we're, uh, people have some level of knowledge, but we're also very distracted. And one of the things that I learned was that being distracted and being immoral seem to produce the same thing. We're Bible belters. You know, we focus on morality. And that's a cool thing. There's a place for morality in our lives. But we tend to determine whether or not we're walking with God or knowing God based upon some moral checklist. But the interesting thing is, is that immorality may produce a bankruptcy, but it's exactly the same bankruptcy that busyness produces. So we may say no to immorality, and we may have a list of what those things are, but then busyness we almost esteem as, that shows I'm important, that gives me my stuff. This is, you know, and we let it walk in into our lives, but in the end, they both produce bankruptcy, where we don't know God. So when David was speaking for God and said, be still, I discovered in my own, I've kind of interpreted based upon its original language to mean these two things as it applied to my life. Stillness is when we release our force of nature or control on our world. Most of you here are a force of nature. All of us have a force of nature, that we can accomplish things. We can know things. We are about things. And being still is when we release that force of nature. Or put it in another phrase, and I liked it in the second definition better. Stillness is when we abandon our titles, our names, even our responsibilities, and we posture ourselves to know God. How often does that happen to you? You know, for us, we've been trained that if you're a doctor, you're a doctor everywhere you go. When you go shopping, you, do, you shop like a doctor. And uh, if you're a mom, you do life like a mom. If you're a dad, you do life like a dad. And, and, and if you're a lawyer, you, you, you have that title and, and that's who you are. And, and so we rarely will abandon those and just like leave it at the door. We're always somebody's father. You know, we're always a pastor. You know, that's why when I go to parties, I'll ask if I go to a party, I will tell the host of the party, do not, do not introduce me as your pastor. And you say, why? And it's like, well, um, uh, I just don't want to be that guy. I want to be a guy. I just don't want to be that guy. Because there's something more to me than just being a pastor. And you know, it's not like I'm trying to hide the margarita in my hand or anything like that. But it's, it's just this idea that, hey, there's a place where you step back from who you are, from your importance, what you think about yourself and all that, and then you come into this place where you are just a child of the living God. That's all I am. And God says, that's the place I want you to go to. I want you to be still and know that I am God. But not just still, is it? Because we can do that a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm right in there getting a massage, you know, get a massage and some acupuncture, 
and they put those hot rocks on your back, and you get still, and you listen to this nice, you know, um, music that kind of just relaxes you a little bit, and you get into your place of stillness. I need to get into that place. But that's not what, God, that's not what the Scripture's talking about. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But um, it's, not, it's not stillness just to be quiet. It's not stillness to empty yourself, but it's rather a stillness so that you can know something and that you can know God. And I think that's interesting that the phrase says that. Be still and know that I am, that I am God. It doesn't say know God. Uh, it's, and it's different. It's like, why is it different? It's because it says that I am God. It's like God saying, no, I need you to know that I am God. And that drives you deeper. When you all of a sudden begin to look at the question of whether or not, and you've always been asked, do you believe in the existence of God? And a lot of us will come to a conclusion like, I believe in God. You know, people say, are you a Christian? Are you, do you go to church? It's like, I believe in God. That's not what God's asking right here. That's not what God's inviting us to. It's like, no, I'm not asking if you believe in God. I just, I'm asking you to be still and to discover that I am God. So the moment you put I am in the front of it, it changes everything. It makes it specifically personal. So if you want to, the invitation to understand a rock is called geology. It's the study of rocks. The invitation to know the stars is called astronomy. The invitation to know um, organisms, living organisms, is called biology. The invitation to know a person is called a relationship. I mean, I'm just, it's its formal definition. It's a relationship. And the moment God says, be still and know, not God, that there is a God, not that either, be still and know that I am God, the only way that we enter into this is in the, in the context of relationship. Doesn't relationship change everything for you? You know, it changes the depth of the word knowing. You know, when you say to somebody, hey, I really would like to get to know you. I mean, there's a lot of people here today, and so, you know, it's like I see all of you, and I, I am aware of you. But if I was to get down and go over, don't worry, I won't do it because, you know, I don't want anybody to freak out with anxiety. But if I was to go over and then stand right next to you and sit down next to you and put my arm around you and say, I really want to get to know you. Wouldn't you say something has changed other than the observation of a rock? You know, the relationship changes the methodological approach to knowing, how you go about knowing. See, if you want to understand a rock, what you do is you get yourself a stick of dynamite and go out in the Midwest and find a hole in a rock, shove that piece of dynamite up in there, and then let it blow up, and you got a bunch of rocks around, and you can pick it up, and you can study the rock. All you need to study the stars is a good telescope, maybe a really cool app on your phone to let you know what you're looking at, a little bit of physics, and you're on your way to astronomy. That's, that's the methodological approach to that. If you want to get into biology, well, walk through the woods a little bit with a Petri dish. Pick up samples, put it in the Petri dish. Then get back and look in the magnifying glass and begin to look at it and, and see it, and you'll discover living things. 
But if we're going about it in relationship, then that means there are other methodologies involved, like respect, living, listening, talking, and spending time together. It's, it's a different kind of knowing. And that's what God is, is telling us. Be still and not just observe me, not blow me up with dynamite, not just walk through the woods and take samples of me, but I want you to know me in the context of relationship. This is beyond are you saved and going to heaven. See, we've reduced Christianity in that kind of language. It's whether or not you're going to heaven or hell or not. And God's like, listen, no. I want you to be still and, and know that I am God. I want you to know me. And I think it's evident in America, and particularly in the American church, that we have all kinds of ideas about God. Um, all kinds of ideas of God. I mean, it's gotten crazy what we think about God, what we think about Jesus. We've got these ideas like, okay, you can be heavily fundamentalist, and, and it's like God is this over here, and then you can be a mystic, and God is uh, this, or you could be an existentialist, and you can create God to be whatever you want him to be, and how it makes you feel good, that's what makes God good, because you come up with it in your own head, and we come up with all these ideas about what God is. And so I could say Jesus to all of you, and we all have possibly a different view of who he is. And, and God today is like, listen, no, I want you to know that I am God. And I want you to know with clarity, but because of the blur of life, because of the, the hurriness of life, you know, we got to ask, are we sure we're following God? Are we sure we got it right? Um, let me illustrate. Here's a picture. It's a picture I took. It's a really cool picture. Um, and uh, you're looking at it right now, and what your mind is doing is trying to interpret what it's a picture of. And, and I get that, and it's, and it's, but it's really nice, and that would look good on the wall someplace. And, but that's, that's a really cool picture. Then here's another picture. All right, this is, uh, this is pretty, but you now are more sure about the subject. Before, you were in the realm of abstract illustration. I mean, it was like you were looking at art, illustration. Now, we've moved into the realm of clarity and definition. Um, well, the interesting thing is that these are both the exact same scene. I was using a technique called intentional motion blur. Now, if you're a photographer, you could also call it intentional camera movement, and also it's called six-pack photography. They call it six-pack photography because after you've had six beers, you begin to move the camera around way too much, you end up with a blurry picture. But it is a form of art, and it is this, this idea of keeping the shutter open and moving the camera just a little bit, and you intentionally put blur in it. But it's interesting. When you look at the two pictures side by side, what has happened with the blur? We've lost objects. See, there's a... There's a kayak in that one. As a matter of fact, I'm represented by the kayak. Over here, because I've introduced blur, what have I lost? I've also lost me in this picture, where I am, my point of reference. Over here, oh, that's a beautiful sunrise. That's grass. It's a marsh. It's, you know, over here, 
you, you might have gotten an idea that that was a sunrise. Maybe you, you didn't know, but you weren't sure it was a marsh. And you most definitely didn't realize I was sitting in a kayak. What happened? Objects begin to blur. You lose color. Look at, I mean, the color setting. I did not change the color setting in this. You lose perspective. You lose definition. You lose clarity. You lose information and data. All just by adding blur. See, this is what hurriness is doing to us. This is why we're more confused about who God is than ever. Because we're moving the camera. We're, 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 and, and we're... We're not sure about who he is. Isn't this beautiful? I mean, clarity. You not only know what that is, you know where you are. And we're not only just losing God in the blur. When we lose God in the blur, we lose us in the blur. That's why we don't know what we are anymore. So just pick one. Just whatever you want to be kind of approach to life. Because when we lose clarity of God... We lose clarity about ourselves. So when we fail to be still and know that he is God, we can't really be sure if, if God is in the picture. Or maybe we just have a blur of him. And let me just say, if you've been a Christian for more than three years, there's a real possibility you're living in the blur world. Meaning that you've been doing this long enough, especially if you get to my age, it, it all gets kind of blurry. It's like, yeah, I know about the Bible. Yeah, I know about church. Yeah, we're going to do another week of prayer. Yeah, we're going to do that. Got to be there on Sunday. You're gonna, he's going to take an offering. You know, and all of a sudden it's like, and you can do it for 30 years faithfully. And you're like, why is it that I have less clarity about God now than I did then? It's because you just got busy with God. You didn't be still and know that he is God, and, and what does that mean? And this can happen in any relationship. Uh, you can blur your kids. Dads and moms, let me just tell you, you can blur them. I know you, it's really weird how God made it. I, I'm going to have to ask him about this. Because we have kids at the exact same time we're trying to establish our careers. So when you need to have the most motion career-wise is when you need to have the most stillness for your kids. And it's a real battle, and it's the same difficulty we have with God, is that your kids, you need to stop long enough for your kids to know who you are. Well, kids, I, I can't come home. Why are you going, Dad? Well, I'm doing it for you. I want you to have the best. I'm working hard. It's like, no, Dad, I just need you to stop. Just stop. And let me see who you are. That's why I tell you, dads, I, I know it's sometimes hard to be a dad, but just get your daughter and tell her to hop in the truck with you and go to Lowe's. Um, tell your son to get in the truck and just go to Lowe's. It's like, what's that going to do? You just let them in the truck and let them talk. Don't tell them anything. Don't tell them what you need to, they need to do with your life or anything like that. Just let them in the truck and let them just observe you as as. An object at rest is somebody that really does love them. See, I grew up, and I didn't know if my father loved me. I know he owned me, in a sense. I knew I was his, but I didn't know if he liked me. Oh, my gosh. 
That wasn't even important to him. Just do what I tell you to do. He was like, wow, okay, that's really, this is the context, yeah. And I'm doing everything I do for, the, for your best. And then I'm going to smack you for your, for your best. And I'm going to do all this for your best. It's like, yeah, but do you even know me? I remember when my, me and my father reconciled, um, he apologized to me. He said, I am really sorry I never knew who you were. I mean, I was one of eight. It's easy to kind of like just line them all up and it's like, you look like your mother, you know, and that's the rest of it. You know, it's like, it's easy to get lost in all that. But I remember when he said, yeah, you're different. Um, and it's like, I didn't, I didn't know that the way that you are and, and how God had made you. And it was like, what happened? It's because we, we finally got still. We sat in a boat together and we went fishing together and we talked together and we were still enough. He was still enough to discover who I was and I was able to discover who he was. So I'm here to tell you that if you're more confused about God or you're less sure about God, it's not that the facts have changed. I'm telling you, you're moving the camera. Is that we're probably not still enough to discover that he is God. This is exactly what happened to Israel. Too much moving around. Too busy. I mean, they've been walking with God for a while, kind of like us. They, they get busy with God's like, yada, yada, Ten Commandments, Moses, been there, done that. You know, Red Sea, yada, 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 Goliath, David, boom, boom, and all that. And they get, they settle in and they begin to get busy. And it's interesting, they begin to end up with a blur of God. And God stops them and, and says, listen, you have lost me in the picture. You have totally lost me. You're confusing me with the other gods, or you don't even have me in the picture at all. But he needed to stop them and say, hold the camera still. And so he has this conversation with Israel. And the reason why I like it so much is because Israel kind of represents us. They, there are people who represent the human heart. So one of the prophets named Zephaniah writes what God this moment when God says, hold the camera still to them. Just stop moving. Because they were not knowing God, though they were the chosen people, they, they turned God into a blur. So I want you to listen to what God says through Zephaniah on this issue. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read it to you in the Bible, and then I'm going to extract what it says uh, while trying to stay faithful to the original context, but into a modern context. And I want you to see if you find out that your camera is moving, um, that you have tried to create a, a God that is not there, or you've moved it so much from who God is that now God is just a blur. So let me, let me read you it. So God says through Zephaniah, so I will stretch out my hand against Judah, against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people that should know me. I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the names of the idolatrous priests along with the priests and those who bow down on the housetops to the hosts of heaven. And he's kind of like going through a list here of what blur looks like. And those who bow down and swear to the Lord, Yahweh, but yet, they also swear by the god Milcom and those who have turned their back from following the Lord and those who have not sought the Lord or inquired of him 
and all who clothe themselves with foreign garments, who fill the house of the Lord with violence and deceit, I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. It's like, I am just like, when I read that, it's like, boy, what's he doing? He's, he's mounting the camera on a tripod and he's tightening it down and he's holding it firm and he's saying, that's not following me, that's not knowing me, that's not knowing me, that's not knowing me. And then he locks it down on the tripod and he's going to tell us, this is knowing me. So I looked at that list and I kind of broke it out into a modern context and um, because these people were suffering from religious motion blur. And you may be too. You got a God, you believe in God some sort of, but you're really not really, you know. You don't want the clarity that Christianity offers. It's like, I don't want, I like, I like my picture being a little blurred. I like my sex being a little blurred. I like my money a little blurred. I like my, my hatred for a people group to be a little blurred. I like my bitterness that I don't want to forgive somebody. I want to just kind of blur, move the camera on that a little bit. And I want to keep it blurry. But God's like, listen, that's not knowing that I am God. So I broke out these nine corollaries. And don't worry, I know you're looking at your watch like, my goodness, we've already been here for 45 minutes. He's not going to go into nine things. Don't worry. I'm not going into a, I'm not going to, you know, so don't check out on me. Just, just stay. I'm just going to ping these because I want you to find yourself. Because it would have been easy for you to walk in here and say, well, I'm not cheating my wife. I'm good to go. I know God. You know, I'm not cheating on my income tax. I'm good to go. He's not talking to me. I'm going to ping me in this because it's a real challenge about whether or not are you really following after God. So I rewrote them, and maybe you'll find yourself here. Um, greater loves than God. Oh, that's easy. You know, yeah. Boyfriend, girlfriend. It's easy to find something that we would have allegiance to greater than God. How about distorted and misplaced worship? Okay? The stars are up there to be looked at and enjoyed. They're there for the governing of seasons like the moon and the sun. They are not up there to be inquired of or to be worshipped. That's a blur. But we do that. Um, duplicity. I love this one. This one's real big. It's like I want God and the world. I want, I want Yahweh, but I also want Trump or Biden. Do you know I've lost more people from this church? Not talking about race. Not talking about uh, sexuality. It's, it's ironic. It's crazy. Because I said that it's got to be God first, and I don't even know if Trump's second or third or fourth or Biden or whatever. Uh, people left. So I'm a Republican. You need to make this more about abortion. You need to make this more about gay people. You need to make this, you don't preach enough on blah, blah, and all that's like, what the heck? You know, I mean, so you want it to be about God and something else. It's like, no. God says, be quiet and know that I am God. 
and this is first. You're not a Christian and Republican. You're not Christian and a Democrat. You know, it's, it's God. And that's what he wants us to know. But some of us have kind of convoluted it and put it together with something else. Um, and I'll probably lose people again. Uh, for some of us, we have deserted the pursuit of God. That's easy to do. Or neglected the pursuit of God. Some of us have compromised our, our relationship with him. Others have, we're in, our blur is our false motives. We're here because, one reason why we're here is because I want Aunt Sally to be healed. The only reason why I'm here is because I got a job interview on Monday and I need, I need luck on my side or God, the universe, or good thoughts on my side. Oh, all that blurry stuff. I'm not willing to do anything. I'm not willing to, uh, and I don't think God will do anything either. Why pray? And God's like, listen, that's not following me either. And then the one that got me was stagnant in heart. It's like, ah, you got me. Because, you know, I know a lot about theology. I know a lot about philosophy. I love to sit around and talk about the impassibility of God. And some of you are like, what's the impassibility of God or the aseity of God? The impassibility is, does God have emotions? It's like, does God, is he happy and then he's sad? And if he's happy and he's sad, how can he always be the same forever now and, and, and not be immutable? Or, is, or It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Does God have a lot of thoughts? Or does God have one thought that is so comprehensive it encases all thoughts? You know, I love to sit around and talk about that. And I don't smoke weed. I mean, I just love doing that. I can only imagine what I would be like if I smoked weed. <laughs> Dang, that's a sitcom. Um, and what's my point? Do you know none of it has led me to intimacy with God? The Bible tells us that this one guy, Solomon, was the wisest man in all the earth. The people would line up to come talk to him about the aseity and passability of God, and they would line up. And he was all about being wise, being the one everybody went to for knowledge. But they are, there are few kings in Israel who caused more trouble for the people of Israel than Solomon. He had over 600 wives. How does that even work? I mean, I mean, and then, he, then it's like 300 concubines on top of that. And then he, he had all these, he had a high place, a place of worship to this God, to that God, to that God, to that God, because he knew it. He was wise. He knew all about all these gods. And then he had Yahweh in the middle. And with all that knowledge, it did not lead him to intimacy with God. Just because you, under, you can explain how God created the universe, just because you've decided that you're a Calvinist or an Armenian, you know, um, or you know, all the other different theologies, let me just tell you, it's, it can all become just a blur. God said, I want you to know that I am God. And I may have, in this group here, I may have maybe in the top 5% of knowledge about the things of God, philosophically and, and, and theologically. 
but I'm willing to bet that I am one of the most stagnant in my relationship with God. It's because I'm always in a hurry. I'm always busy. I want to do something. God's like, no, I'm going to need you to just be still. I need you, I'm going to need you to hop in my truck, and we're going to go to Lowe's together. And it's like, yeah, but then I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about the end times. It's like, no, no, I don't want you to know about the end times. That's not what we're going to talk about. I want you to know that I am God. That's not God. That's not God. That's not God. Oh, Paul, by the way, roll down your window. You're about to throw up because I'm about to tell you you're not God either. We're blurred on this. Now, all of this may have, may have pinged you in some way. It may have exposed you, and it wasn't for, to destroy you. Uh, it was so that you would see the sunrise. It was so that you'd see the marsh grass, so that you'd see the kayak, and that you would see you in the picture. See, God knows the greatest discovery of knowing him leads to your greatest sec- discovery, and that's you. You don't point the camera at you to see the sunrise. You point it at the sun, and then that sunrise gives you light. But for too many of us, we've allowed it to blur. So what is God trying to do here? Is he trying to just smack down Israel? He's like, no, no, no. Here, let me read to you what Zebaniah says that God wants to happen to the people of Israel, the people of Judah through knowing I am God. He says, the Lord your God is in your midst and a mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you, still you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Where did we lose that in the blur of life? We reduced it to going to heaven or going to hell. We reduced it to being gay or not gay. Alcohol or not alcohol. You know, I mean, and it's like, and God's like, no, I want you to know me because I want to rejoice over you. I want you to be a benefactor of my love, my compassion, my mercy, my truth, and yes, to a degree, my moral and ethical leadership. I want you to know that I am God. So, we're about to close. So let's got, get God right. Let's stop the movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put God on the tripod. I mean, I'm gonna put it right here. I'm just gonna set it right up here, the camera on the tripod, and we're gonna get God right. So that none of you are confused about where you are with God. I got three verses, and I'll read them to you. And I picked these because they, they, are, they have absolute clarity. Absolute clarity. They, they, they kind of control the shutter and the movement of the camera. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. It's like, whoa. You're saying, Jesus. The camera stops on Jesus. God's camera never moves off Jesus. But what about this? And what about that? And what about them? And what about this idea? What a, Jesus is very clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The camera stops on Jesus of Nazareth. 
Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. So I don't know what other motion you've got. That's it right there. Next verse. Clarity. Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we can be saved. What's happening? The picture's getting clearer and clearer. The motion, the camera is slowing down and we're beginning to get a picture here. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for he he will either hate one or love the other. He'll be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth or whatever it is that calls for your passions. It's like you can't, can't be walking around with your camera like this. It's like you need to lock on me. But remember, in what Christianity does through the Word of God in providing clarity about God, it also restores clarity about you Because when you discover him, you discover love, meaning, and purpose. All that's gone. And so we live in a society where we, and I I just want you to get this, we've moved the camera on things like gender. And why are we doing that? Is it because those people are evil? Absolutely not looking for a photo who am I what am I and we've taught people to move the camera and Jesus says hey over here with your camera put it right here he stands in front of the camera and says hey I am the way the truth and the life you will discover yourself after you have discovered me and in that discovery you will discover that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you loves you. He wants to rejoice over you. He wants to fill you with his mercy and the abundance of life. But we're not going to know this as we continue to move the camera. So as we move into this moment of expressions, know that I am God. God is calling you into a relationship with him. So put away your dynamite, Put away your telescope. Put away your Petri dish. Sure, science can tell you something about the existence of God. And I love science. And I love, you know, the way that it speaks purpose and meaning in the universe. Love it. But there's a point when I take all that cosmological knowledge and I put it aside and I sit down and I discover Jesus, the risen one. Discover that I am a child of the living God. Know that I am God is a reminder that He is God and not what you want Him to be. You can find a gazillion books on Amazon.com, self help books that will talk about you and your Jesus. You know, and you can shape Jesus into a rock, you can shape Jesus into whatever you want Him to be. And we'll even say that if you're a part of a religion that has clarity or definition or rules 
or morality or objectivity, that's not good. It's like, no, when you stop moving the camera, the picture gets better. If you want art, move your camera. If you want God, be still and know that He is God. Father, we thank you so, so much. And God, most of us are not moving our camera because we're evil. We're moving it because we're desperate. We're, we're, we're trying to find us in the picture. And in the midst of the pursuit of us, we lose you. God, you want better for us than we want for ourselves. We just don't know it. But we would know it if we discover Jesus. I have come that you may have life and life abundant. So God, today, as we take the cup and the bread, in this moment, we change the f-stop, we change the shutter speed, we put our camera on a tripod, we lock it into position, and we focus it on the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, and if you've been a Christian for more than three years, and your, your water that used to boil hot for God is now running somewhere about lukewarm. It's kind of blurred. It's kind of getting colder. Come back to Jesus. Stop carrying around what you want him to be and discover that what he is is good enough for you and me. Maybe you're here today and you've been an agnostic or a Oh, let's, let's, let's dress it up a little nicer. You're a skeptic. Sounds so intellectual. All it is is a person who's running through life with the shutter open. It doesn't focus on anything. And thereby doesn't ever clearly see a single thing. This is your moment. It's not about heaven or hell. It's about being still and knowing Jesus Christ is Lord. That God is your Father through Jesus. So I invite you to come to receive that. The clarity has been reduced to a bread, piece of bread and a cup. That's clarity. To body and to blood given for you. God invites you to come and know 